0: Section Two of Rackety Packety House and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eden Ray Hedrick. Rackety Packety House and Other Stories by Francis Hodgson Burnett. Rackety Packety House part two kilman skegg and peter piper just pinched each other with glee and squealed with delight isn't it fun said peter piper i say aren't they awful swells but lord francis can't kick about in his trousers as i can in mine and neither can the others i'd like to see them try to do this and he turned three somersaults in the middle of the room, and stood on his head on the biggest hole in the carpet, and wiggled his legs and wiggled his toes at them until they shouted so with laughing, that Ridiculous ran in with a saucepan in her hand and perspiration on her forehead, because she was cooking turnips, which was all they had for dinner. "'You mustn't laugh so loud,' she cried out. "'If we make so much noise, the Tidy Castle people will begin complaining of this being a low neighbourhood, and they might insist on moving away.' "'Oh, scrump!' said Peter Piper, who sometimes invented dull slang, though there wasn't really a bit of harm in him. I wouldn't have them move away for anything. They are meat and drink to me. They're going to have a dinner of ten courses, sighed Ridiculous. I can see them cooking it from my scullery window, and I have nothing but turnips to give you. Who cares, said Peter Piper. Let's have ten courses of turnips, and pretend each course is exactly like the one they're having at the castle. I like turnips almost better than anything. Almost... Perhaps not quite, said Gustavus. I can eat ten courses of turnips like a shot. Let's go and find out what their courses are, said Meg and Peg and Kilmanskeg, and then we will write a menu on a piece of pink tissue paper. And if you'll believe it, that was what they did. They divided their turnips into ten courses, and they called the first hors d'oeuvres and the last ices with a French name and peter piper kept jumping up from the table and pretending he was a footman and flourishing about in his flapping rags of trousers and announcing the names of the dishes in such a grand way that they laughed till they nearly died and said they had never had such a splendid dinner in their lives and they would rather live behind the door and watch the tidy castle people than be the tidy castle people themselves And then, of course, they all joined hands and danced round and round and kicked up their heels for joy, because they always did that whenever there was the least excuse for it, and quite often when there wasn't any at all, just because it was such good exercise and worked off their high spirits, so that they could settle down for a while. This was the way things went on after that day. They almost lived at their windows. They watched the Tidy Castle family get up and be dressed by their maids and valets in different clothes almost every day. They saw them drive out in their carriages and have parties and go to balls. They all nearly had brain fever with delight the day they watched Lady Gwendolen and Lady Muriel and Lady Doris, dressed in their court trains and feathers, going to be presented at the first drawing-room. After the lovely creatures had gone, the whole family sat down in a circle round the rackety-packety house-library fire, and Ridiculous read aloud to them about drawing-rooms, out of a scrap of the lady's pictorial she had found. And after that, they had a court drawing-room of their own, and they made tissue-paper trains and glass bead crowns of diamond tiaras, and sometimes Gustavus pretended to be the royal family, and the others were presented to him and kissed his hand, and then the others took turns and he was presented. And suddenly the most delightful thing occurred to Peter Piper. He thought it would be rather nice to make them all into lords and ladies, and he did it by touching them on the shoulder with the drawing-room poker, which he had straightened because it was so crooked it was almost meant double. It was not exactly the way such things are done at court, but Peter Piper thought it would do, and at any rate it was great fun. So he made them all kneel down in a row, and he touched each on the shoulder with the poker and said, Rise up, Lady Meg and Lady Peg and Lady Kilmanskegg and Lady Ridiculous of Rackety-Packety House, and also the right honourable Lord Gustavus Rags. And they all jumped up at once and made bows and curtsied to each other. But they made Peter Piper into a duke, and he was called the Duke of Tags. He knelt down on the big hole in the carpet, and each one of them gave him a little thump on the shoulder with the poker, because it took more thumps to make a duke than a common or garden lord. The day after this, another much more exciting event took place. The nurse was in a bad temper, and when she was tidying the nursery, she pushed the easy chair aside and saw rackety-packety house. Oh, she said, there is that rackety-packety old thing still. I had forgotten it. It must be carried downstairs and burned. I will go and tell one of the footmen to come for it. Meg and Peg and Kilmanskegg were in their attic, and they all rushed out in such a hurry to get downstairs that they rolled all the way down the staircase, and Peter Piper and Gustavus had to dart out of the drawing-room and pick them up. Ridiculous came staggering up from the kitchen quite out of breath. "'Oh, our house is going to be burned! Our house is going to be burned!' cried Meg and Peg, clutching their brothers. "'Let's go and throw ourselves out of the window!' cried Kilmanskegg. "'I don't see how they can have the heart to burn a person's home,' said Ridiculous, wiping her eyes with her kitchen duster. Peter Piper was rather pale, but he was extremely brave, and remembered that he was the head of the family. "'Now, Lady Meg and Lady Peg and Lady Skeg, he said, "'let's all keep cool.' "'We shan't keep cool when they set our house on fire,' said Gustavus. Peter Piper just snapped his fingers. Pooh, he said, "'we're only made of wood, and it won't hurt a bit. "'We shall just snap and crackle and go off almost like fireworks, "'and then we shall be ashes and fly away into the air and see all sorts of things. "'Perhaps it may be more fun than anything we have done yet.' But our nice old house! Our nice old rackety-packety house! said Ridiculous. I do so love it. The kitchen is so convenient, even though the oven won't bake any more. And things looked most serious because the nurse was really beginning to push the armchair away. But it would not move, and I will tell you why. One of my fairies who had come down the chimney when they were talking, had called me, and I had come in a second with a whole army of my workers, and though the nurse couldn't see them, they were all holding the chair tight down on the carpet so that it would not stir. And I, Queen Crosspatch myself, flew downstairs and made the footman remember that minute that a box had come for Cynthia, and that he must take it upstairs to her nursery. If I had not been on the spot he would have forgotten it, until it was too late. But just in the very nick of time up he came, and Cynthia sprang up as soon as she saw him, Oh, she cried, it must be the doll who broke her little leg and was sent to the hospital. It must be Lady Patsy. And she opened the box and gave a little scream of joy, for there lay Lady Patsy-her whole name was Patricia-in a lace frilled nightgown with her lovely leg in bandages and a pair of tiny crutches and a trained nurse by her side. That was how I saved them that time. There was such excitement over Lady Patsy and her little crutches and her nurse that nothing else was thought of, and my fairies pushed the armchair back and Rackety-Packety House was hidden and forgotten once more. The whole Rackety-Packety family gave a great gasp of joy and sat down in a ring all at once on the floor, mopping their foreheads with anything they could get hold of. Peter Piper used Auntie an macassar "'Oh, we are obliged to you, Queen C- Crosspatch,' he panted out. "'But these alarms of fire are upsetting.' "'You leave them to me,' I said, "'and I'll attend to them.' "'Tip!' I commanded the fairy nearest me. You will have to stay here and be ready to give the alarm when anything threatens to happen. And I flew away, feeling I had done a good morning's work. Well, that was the beginning of a great many things, and many of them were connected with Lady Patsy, and but for me there might have been unpleasantness. Of course, the rackety-packety dolls forgot about their fright directly, and began to enjoy themselves again as usual. That was their way. They never sat up all night with trouble, Peter Piper used to say, and I told him they were quite right. If you make a fuss over trouble and put it to bed and nurse it and give it beef-tea and gruel, you can never get rid of it. Their great delight now was Lady Patsy. They thought she was prettier than any of the other Tidy Castle dolls. She neither turned her nose up, nor looked down the bridge of it, nor laughed mockingly. She had dimples in the corner of her mouth, and long curly lashes, and her nose was saucy, and her eyes were bright and full of laughs. She's the clever one of the family, said Peter Piper, I'm sure of that. She was treated as an invalid at first, of course, and kept in her room, but they could see her sitting up in her frilled nightgown. After a few days she was carried to a soft chair by the window, and there she used to sit and look out, and the rackety-packety dolls crowded round their window and adored her. After a few days they noticed that Peter Piper was often missing, and one morning Ridiculous went up into the attic and found him sitting at a window all by himself, and staring and staring. "'Oh, Duke!' she said, You see, they always tried to remember each other's titles. Dear me, Duke, what are you doing here? I'm looking at her, he answered. I'm in love. I fell in love with her the minute Cynthia took her out of her box. I'm going to marry her. But she's a lady of high degree, said Ridiculous, quite alarmed. That's why she'll have me, said Peter Piper in his most cheerful manner. Ladies of high degree always marry the good-looking ones in rags and tatters. If I had a whole suit of clothes on, she wouldn't look at me. I'm very good-looking, you know and he turned round and winked at Ridiculous, in such a delightful, saucy way that she suddenly felt as if he were very good-looking, though she had never thought of it before. "'Hullo,' he said all at once, "'I've just thought of something to attract her attention. Where's the ball of string?' Cynthia's kitten had made them a present of a ball of string, which had been most useful. Ridiculous ran and got it, and all the others came upstairs to see what Peter Piper was going to do. They were all delighted to hear he had fallen in love with the lovely, funny Lady Patsy. They found him standing in the middle of the attic, unrolling the ball of string. "'What are you going to do, Duke?' they all shouted. "'Just you watch,' he said, and he began to make the string into a rope ladder, as fast as lightning. When he had finished it, he fastened one end to a beam and swung the other end out of the window. "'From her window,' he said, "'she can see the rackety-packety house, and I'll tell you something. She's always looking at it. She watches us as much as we watch her, and I've seen her giggling and giggling when we were having fun.' Yesterday, when I chased Lady Meg and Lady Peg and Lady Kilmanskegg round and round the front of the house and turned somersaults every five steps, she laughed until she got to stuff her handkerchief into her mouth. When we joined hands and danced and laughed until we fell in heaps, I thought she was going to have a kind of rosy-dimpled lovely little fit, she giggled so. If I run down the side of the house on this rope ladder, it will attract her attention, and then I shall begin to do things. He ran down the ladder, and that very minute they saw Lady Patsy at her window give a start and lean forward to look. They all crowded round their window, and chuckled and chuckled as they watched him. He turned three stately somersaults, and stood on his feet, and made a cheerful bow. The rackety-packety saw Lady Patsy begin to giggle that minute. Then he took an anti out of his pocket, and fastened it round the edge of his torn trouser-leg, as if it were lace-trimming, and began to walk about like a duke, with his arms folded over his chest, and his ragged old hat cocked on one side over his ear. Then the rackety-packety saw Lady Patsy begin to laugh. Then Peter Piper stood on his head and kissed his hand, and Lady Patsy covered her face and rocked backwards and forwards in her chair, laughing and laughing. Then he struck an attitude with his tattered leg put forward gracefully, and he pretended he had a guitar, and he sang right up at her window. From rackety-packety house I come, it stands, dear lady, in a slum, a low, low slum behind the door. The stout armchair is placed before, just take a look at it, my lady. The house itself is a perfect sight, and everybody's dressed like a perfect fright. But no one cares a single jot, and each one giggles over his lot. And as for me, I'm in love with you. I can't make up another verse, and if I did, it would be worse. But I could stand and sing all day if I could think of things to say. But the fact is, I just wanted to make you look at me and then he danced such a lively jig that his rags and tatters flew about him, and then he made another bow and kissed his hand again and ran up the ladder like a flash and jumped into the attic. After that, Lady Patsy sat at her window all the time and would not let the train nurse put her to bed at all, and Lady Gwendolyn and Lady Muriel and Lady Doris could not understand it. Once Lady Gwendolyn said haughtily and disdainfully and scornfully and scathingly, "'If you sit there so much, those low rackety-packety house people will think you are looking at them.' I am, said Lady Patsy, showing all her dimples at once. They are such fun! And Lady Gwendolyn swooned haughtily away, and the trained nurse could scarcely restore her. When the castle dolls drove out or walked in their garden, the instant they caught sight of one of the rackety packeties, they turned up their noses and sniffed aloud. And several times the Duchess said she would remove, because the neighborhood was absolutely low. They all scorned the rackety packeties, They just scorned them. One moonlight night, Lady Patsy was sitting at her window, and she heard a whistle in the garden. When she peeped out carefully, there stood Peter Piper waving his ragged cap at her, and he had his rope ladder under his arm. "'Hello!' he whispered as loud as he could. "'Could you catch a bit of rope if I threw it up to you?' "'Yes!' she whispered back. "'Then catch this!' he whispered again, and he threw up the end of a string, and she caught it in the first throw. It was fastened to the rope ladder. "'Now pull!' he said. She pulled and pulled until the rope ladder reached her window, and then she fastened to a hook that ran under the sill, and the first thing that happened, just like lightning, was that Peter Piper ran up the ladder and leaned over her window ledge. Will you marry me? he said. I haven't anything to give you to eat, and I'm as ragged as a scarecrow, but will you? End of Part 2